what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> um, and, you know, I was literally facing a deep depression because I, I, I felt like I had sold so many seeds. I'd been here. Mm-hmm. I, you know, every time I performed, like I made sure I gave it my my 120 percent because you never know who's in the audience. And, you know, like I'm just like, why is this not turning into a, a dope opportunity for me? Like mm-hmm. I see other comics traveling and doing stuff. But when is my turn coming? I first was introduced to Yvonne's work on a late night accidental stroll through videos on YouTube. I'd very recently moved to New York, so the trauma of fake Craigslist posts and hidden brokerage fees were both still very fresh. Yvonne has this hilarious set calling out fake African email scams. Here, actually, you have to take a listen to it. There's always usually an African, the rest of us, we out there sending them emails. <laughs> Y'all know the emails. Yeah. And they all start off the same way, don't they? They be like, good afternoon, Sato, madam. <laughs> My name is Mbudelo, and I have just inherited 500,000 billion dollars. <laughs> and I want to share it with you. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't even know me. And don't think it's just because I'm African that I'm exempt from getting them. No, I get them. But as an African, I do feel obligated to respond. So I'll be like, my brother. <laughs> I'm one of you. <laughs> Came right back. Hey, my sister, we are so sorry. Please delete it. <laughs> Hi y'all, I'm Alexis and welcome to The First Year Project, a podcast highlighting the good, the bad, and the integral aspects of the first year experience. Hilarious comedian, writer, and actress Yvonne Orji is here with me today talking about the story behind her first year experience getting into the entertainment industry. Just to give you a bit of background... Yvonne does everything from stand-up comedy, writing, and starring in her self-created project called First Gen, and now starring in HBO's forthcoming series created by The Issa Rae, titled Insecure. She has an amazing story, so definitely stay tuned to catch some of these gems. Also, you can find us at firstyearproject.com, as well as on Twitter and Instagram, both at firstyearprj. Peace. Hey, what's going on, y'all? It's your girl, Yvonne Orji, and I am here with Alexis of The First Year Project. First of all, thank you so much, Yvonne, for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, so I've kind of described a little bit of what you do, but in your own words, what do you do and why do you do it? Whenever people ask what I do for a living, I say, I make people laugh for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at the very at the very crux of my job is that I make people laugh. But I, I, I know that my purpose in life is to be an archer of happiness, which is actually what my name means. Yvonne Angulia Deze Oji. It literally translates to archer of happiness. Oh, my goodness. So I think I'm in the right profession. <laughs> <laughs> Something about it says, I think you're doing all the right things. But, um, you know, I, I like to say I'm a content creator. I like uh, being able to stand behind the work that I'm a part of and, mm-hmm. like, feel really good about it. Um, and I think I think there's just so many dope stories to be told. And Agreed. I think what I enjoy doing, and I'm, I'm an encourager and a motivator, like, by design. And what I like doing is encouraging people to tell their stories like encouraging those stories out of them because sometimes when you're so familiar with your story it can seem irrelevant mm-hmm. it can seem unimportant but you forget that oh a lot of people don't know this absolutely yeah aren't familiar with this story that i'm super familiar with and then so it's like who better to tell that story than you so i mean that's uh, that's what i am i'm an encourager i'm a content creator i'm a lover of people and i make people laugh for a living very very dope now what was your like community and family upbringing like and how do you feel it's influenced you as a person today um, I think, well, I, well, one, I was raised with three older brothers, so very much a tomboy. To, to nice. Say. And it's, you know, I think that prepared me to be in comedy, which is very male dominated. Very. Um, and so for me, I kind of, even though I'm very much a lady, I 
when it comes to business, I'm very much like a thug dude. Like, well, what we doing, son? And it's just like, wait, what? I just channel like all of my brothers, and because it's like, you know, you're not gonna get off on me. Yes, you will respect me, and yes, you know, we can be professional. And so it's just like, it's really interesting that like that that my upbringing is directly affecting how I interact in certain in certain. Um, circumstances yes uh but no i was born in nigeria um in portaka i'm from uh an Igbo family um my dad is from anambra state in nigeria my mom is from Imo, and uh we immigrated to america when i was six years old Mm -hmm. and uh you know everyone says oh when did you know you were funny were you always the funny kid and it's like not at all i was teased when i got to america i had thick nigerian accent and you know just the black kids did not like me we were not friends oh man yeah i know i was like but i just want to be your and they're like, mm-hmm. no, it's not gonna work out. And um, so I spent a lot of time by myself. I spent a lot of time just talking to myself in the mirror in the bathroom because that's what you do when you don't have friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and reading like twelve books a day. Um, you know, my mom would always be like, "You're taking too many books from the library. If I get a a service fee because of you, and I'm like, no, I'm going to finish these books." And the next day, I'd be like, "Mom, I'm done. I want more books." Ha, my daughter, she's going to be a doctor. Look at her, she reads. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I, I was very much into, like, escaping through books. I didn't know I was escaping. I just was like, oh, this world where people get along or this, you know, Sweet Valley High where that's what high school looks like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, when we came to America after getting picked on, um, I really... I just didn't know who I wanted to be because I felt like I had to be somebody different okay. in order to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my mom sent me to a boarding school in for high school. And it was an international boarding school. And it's something cool. it's like it's like totally the African way. Like all of my <laughs> brothers went to uh, boarding school. Like we all left the house by the time we were like twelve. Really? Um, yeah. So I was at in Pennsylvania for four years at a boarding high school. You know, we went to boarding school and <laughs> we went to, you know, so when I went to boarding school, it was really interesting because I I think for the first time, like even though I was away and I was away from the bullying, I, I still didn't feel like I was allowed to be myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was allowed to be, which okay. is more than I was, you know, when I was getting picked on, I was allowed to be a version of me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the remnants of that was like, let me just be what people want me to be so mm-hmm. that I retain these friends and I, you know, I, I just play it safe. And, you know, for a while it was, it was almost like, is my voice like valid is my are my opinions are they welcomed you know will that will I get shunned if I speak up or speak out and you know it it was that that very fine line of timidity that I walked in a lot and so I think I I think I discovered my voice as Yvonne Orji a lot later in life and I think now I'm really um kind of falling in love with it and realizing like no she has something to say and it's and people want to hear it or you know like or Mm -hmm. you know desire or deserve to hear it and um it's it's a really refreshing place to be um when you find your your true sense of self very very dope um what was your experience like like with your family and kind of like like what's like one of the most interesting stories I, I feel like you have I've watched a lot of your videos I've watched the first gen um, trailer and I feel like you have a lot of very like funny very interesting like family experiences so can you tell us about that yeah no my my family is very dynamic in and of itself like like Nigerians themselves are comedians like I feel I almost feel like it, it's a sham what I do because I'm just like I'm I'm certain I'm not the funniest one in my family just because every moment there's 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 something going on that you're like why did this happen or you know like who why is this okay like is no one else seeing the ridiculousness that is ensuing right now and sometimes and they're not even trying it's not like they're like set a punchline let's try and make a joke let's try to be funny it's legitimately we just woke up and we thought this was okay to do and 
And then and it's just like, thank you so much. That's making it to my next set. No, I mean, I, I think a lot of my humor does stem from my interactions with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have, we're all very different. I'm the dreamer in the household. My oldest brother, he's kind of the, like the indifferent one. Like, just like, all right, whatever. Um, my second brother, he's, I call him Diddy runs the city because he Diddy runs the Diddy city. runs the city because in his mind, he's, he is Shandon. Like, he is, <laughs> this is what he does. And yo, YV, I got a joke. I'm like, do you now? Okay. Yeah, no, no. no. Use it. Because that, that used to be my stage name that he actually gave me. Very cool. Um, because he used to call me YV. But he would just be like, um, yeah, yeah. So this funny thing happened. And I'm like, yeah, what is it? And he'll tell me. And I'm like, nothing about that was funny. <laughs> Nothing at all. But then he, in his mind, he's like, no, it's funny. Why you hate? He's like, no, use it, use it, use it. Use it. Put it in your set. For what? Use it, use it for what? What am What am I using it for? To clean the floor, sir? <laughs> to clean the floor. And oh it's just, God. and that's, <laughs> but that, so that's, that's Diddy Run the City. And then my third brother, he's all muscle. He's a professional boxer. Wow. Yeah. So I'm just like, if oh I ever need, <laughs> just my mom and dad are so like, what happened? These are not. <laughs> These are not the dreams we came to America for. Just what is happening. And yeah, so he's he's definitely the muscle in the family, but he's also very hysterical because he's a professional boxer, but I'm legitimately 0.5 inches taller than him. And he's, oh my you know, he's, and, and, he's a small guy. I'm 5'7". Okay. Um, and he's a, he's a small guy, but he packs a powerful punch mm. and it's like he, he zero to a hundred real quick with him and it's just no like games. okay just we didn't know we were about to get into an orgy <laughs> brawl but you know hey he didn't mean it sir you know what sir you I know you didn't mean to say something about his girl just walk away <laughs> just you don't want you don't want problems today just mm-hmm. you don't want it um, so like we're all very interesting but when we come together it's just all fun and games when we come together it's it's love like it's, it's like a weird strange kind of love but for the most part is love that's dope um and yeah so that's that's my upbringing so a lot of my jokes in the beginning just stem from what that was like growing up with this this double consciousness this double identity of being nigerian and american and living in america but also going home every year we go my dad made sure nigeria yeah my dad made sure we never lost track of our roots and so he would every year like you guys pack your bags we're going to nigeria and it was like first it started off for summer vacations then it was every christmas so you know and they spoke to us in Igbo at the house so we understand it i speak it you know uh, conversationally so it's it's a it it it, it's very different because i didn't know i thought that was normal yeah i thought it was normal that my dad stayed in nigeria for like an extended period of time when Mm -hmm. my mom like would go back and forth like i was like that's just how it is like Mm -hmm. what does your family dynamic look like and it's like no not like that i was like oh so are we different or are you different you know like it's 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 you never know what is what other people's sense of normal is. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so thinking about kind of how it's influenced your work, what actually was your journey like getting into the entertainment space? Um, I never, <laughs> I never thought I would be in entertainment because it was not something that was heralded. It was not something that was um, like... Uh, promoted in my in our home like mm-hmm. I you know I wasn't a latchkey kid I didn't grow up like on TV I, I grew up reading books and so I actually would look down to entertainers if that really? makes it like like I remember being in my boarding school Linden Hall and I was never in any place I would walk back by, past like play rehearsal and I would think to myself because you know it was an expensive boarding school it was like $27,000 a year Yeah, and I would just be like these kids are just wasting their parents money look at them they are just on stage <laughs> playing around what, what is this what is Midsummer's Night Dream oh god <laughs> me I'm going to be a doctor when I grow up like I'm just like I was just like you know anything professional mm-hmm. that's the Nigerian way that's what is promoted and exalted it's like you're a professional you're you're a professional somebody yeah and so you know the arts is like you're just playing games like you're not you're not serious like you're not a serious person mm-hmm. and it's like you grow up to be a serious person and so when uh, in 2006 I entered the Miss Nigeria in America pageant just as a, a favor to my brother whose friend ran the pageant and mm-hmm. I was just like I didn't think anything of it I was just like alright cool whatever I'll do it um, it was in Maryland that year so I was like 
it takes nothing away from me. And two weeks before the pageant, you know, they were like, hey, we got your application. Everything's great. But you didn't sign up for a talent. And I was like, um, yeah, because I, I, I left that blank because I, I don't have one. And they're like, <laughs> no, that's not how this works. Like everyone has to have one. Yeah. And I, I legitimately, the only thing I had ever done was taking like piano lessons. And all I remember was Mary had a little lamb. I was like, I'm not playing that on stage. And I was like, also not tribal dancing. And true. Uh, yeah, just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I prayed because I had just like bought a dress and I was like, this is expensive. And these are like gowns. These I, are I've gowns. I've seen some of these pageants. <laughs> and so I was like, I just bought, I just like took out my first Macy's credit card <laughs> to buy this stinking dress. And I was like, I would like to at least place, if not win. Mm-hmm. And and I, I prayed and the Holy Spirit said, do comedy. And I said, no. <laughs> it was a very quick conversation. It was just very, very nah, quick. Yo. I was like, nah, son, that's not, <laughs> nah, you, you must not know about me. Like, and I, I remember going to be like, nah, God, no, like, what else? Like, he was like, well, what else do you have? And I was like, nothing. He's like, okay, so do comedy. But what was so jarring was one, I've never done comedy. Mm-hmm. Two, rejection was still kind of like on my sleeve like if I get rejected like that's like going back to the days where I get picked on mm. and then also I'm performing in front of Africans Africans are horrible people to perform in front of like they will let you know about your life if you're not good like mm. they will just hand it to you in a platter and be like do better and I was just like no 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 like I've never done comedy I'm just not gonna get rejected and my family's gonna be there they're not gonna see me like fail mm-hmm. and it was it took like him just being like all right well when you tell me what your better option is um then we can entertain that until then this is the only thing on the table and i was just like either i'm gonna trust jesus and maybe he'll put a you know a audible or like a water water to wine blessing on me or something like that i don't know something that's impossible and then he does it and then bam so I decided to just like write what was funny growing up Nigerian in America. Mm-hmm. And I wrote like a five minute comedy set. Don't ask me how. I didn't read a book. I just remembered watching Deaf Comedy Jam as a younger person and just realizing like, oh, at some point comics would say something and then they would say something else and then people would laugh. So I just need to do that. Mm-hmm. And that was my only education in comedy at the time. Wow. So I did the pageant. By the grace of God, people laughed. And, you know, people were like, oh, do you host weddings? Do you host birthdays? I was like, I do all of that. Yes. So they're asking for your, your uh, resume, essentially. Your, yeah, they're your asking CV. for like, so what else I could do? They were like, oh, my gosh, because we have this event coming up. We could use comedy. And I was like, yeah, in fact, call me. Call my agent. <laughs> I was like, you know, but I only had like a five-minute set. Wow. I, like, I, and like, I was so nervous that I actually did it as if it was like a script and mm. not like you know comedy is supposed to you're, like, you're supposed to let it breathe you're supposed to improv and see what happens and like incorporate that into I, none of that was happening I was like these are my five minutes don't interrupt me in fact y'all don't save all your laughing to the end just like I let me get hold through this applause. Hold, hold for applause <laughs> and I just yeah it was crazy and to think that that was 10 years ago like this August is, wow. is incredible a lot, a lot happens yeah. <laughs> just from obedience really it was, just, it was just me saying yes to God that he had a plan that I did not see or know about and now here we are so at some point in, in this conversation I want us to get back to how you then transitioned from comedy into like writing and acting but one thing that I really admire about you is like your very strong sense of self and also your very strong like faith background and kind of being grounded in what you believe in where did that come from um well you know most Nigerians are like raised Catholic like I was raised Catholic and I got I became like a born-again Christian in college Mm -hmm. and I just remembered like I I always loved God like I always was like oh I love God like God is dope like God is good like and I think my parents just instilled like a strong sense of faith in us and like I think going back from here to Nigeria also like let me know like how fortunate I was like with just Mm -hmm. a lot of different things like my mom was a nurse and there was a a nursing shortage in America and so she ended up getting a job at Howard University Hospital and she was like oh would love to come work for you 
however I have a family they were like bring them all so that's how we were able to like come here mm-hmm. and you know without any like issues about paper or, like having to be like oh wow yeah you know, like no like it was just like we came and then we got became naturalized citizens and you know we could go to school we didn't have to be on like a student visa and because it was like that's so, that's such a such a long arduous life I've yes. seen it firsthand I I, I know family members and it's just like god i'm so grateful that this was the opportunity that you afforded for us so mm-hmm. you know just knowing that at a young age like i'm super grateful and i, I was just like ah, i i kept got close but it wasn't until college that i got introduced to like who god was as a person in my mm-hmm. life and as a relationship because catholicism is just very religious it's just like obligations and like rituals and it's like I knew a form of God but when I became like like a, like legitimately a born again Christian it was like oh God is my friend he cares about me he desires things for me I can I can speak to him personally um so like by so that was I started college in 2001 so by the time I did the pageant in 2006 like I'd I'd be I'd been rolling with him for like five years so mm-hmm. I could hear his voice say do comedy because I'd been like you know practicing obedience to him and other things that he would say like you know go speak to this professor or go do this and it's like okay so for me I've just learned to get out of his way because I'm like obviously you know more than I could I I do and like I could never have dreamt this dream for myself Mm -hmm. um and so I I think the more like he proves himself to me the more it's easy for me to stand in my faith the more it's easy to just be like you obviously got plans you obviously I mean it was very hard because I did have to break away from my family I did have to to trust him to a level where it damaged at the time, like my relationship with my parents. How so? Well, because like I said, they, it was, it was a shock for me, but it was a super shock for them. Yeah. Having this daughter that they had these dreams for to now suddenly say, I want to do entertainment. It was like, wait, what? Where did this come from? Like, it wasn't like I was in a talent show. It wasn't like, Oh, that Yvonne, she loves holding a stage and talking with people. No, it was mm-hmm. like, it was zero to a hundred very quickly. Yeah. And it was like, okay, who has bewitched you? Like who, <laughs> who got into your mind frame and lied to you or told you, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's like, but it was God, like God, who God, God, God doesn't talk to us. How did God bypass us to get to you, to not tell you to disobey <laughs> us? Like, it was just like, no, that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I for me, it it wasn't for like my deep faith in God. I would have, I wouldn't have had the strength to resist because mm-hmm. I love I love my parents with all my heart, and the the one thing I never wanted to do was disappoint them. And for the longest time, I was the family disappointment, even mm-hmm. though I had a master's degree, I'd done work in public health, but it was just like you fell off you you're not married at a certain age you're not this doctor that we thought you were going to be now you're struggling you made people laugh for a living what that's not even a real thing what do we tell our friends that you actually do why did we leave our country to bring you to this country for with nothing to show for yourself so it was just like there was so much that you know it wasn't like oh god told me to do comedy and like suddenly i'm a star it was like no god told me to do entertainment and six years of just you know scraping by and you know trying not to beg my parents for money and you know can't come home on holiday like it was just like it wasn't sexy and so straight grinding it was uh, all day long and I think that was it was very hard for them because it's like we are at an age where we should be retiring not waiting to see what our children are going to become and it was only my faith that I stuck to that I was like okay God I don't have the answers for them because right now they're looking to me for all as a lot of questions. I don't have those answers. I hope you do. So fix it, Jesus. Like I literally had to give the, um, put the onus on him to restore the relationship and, or let it make sense to them at some point in time. Cause I know nothing I say is going to help. And you know, by the grace of God, obviously with the success of the first gen, with the success of insecure, it's like all, it's all starting to make sense now. That's beautiful. It's all coming together. Like it didn't, it looked horrible. It looked like it wasn't, we weren't going to make it, but look at us now. And it's like, okay, 
we have a fight on our hands. And I think, I think it's like showing my parents like, oh, this, she's, um, she's different. Yes. She's different. So, so my family, my mother was actually born in Jamaica in uh, St. Anne's, which is like a very small like community. Mm-hmm. And then my grandparents were born in Jamaica, lived there for a long time and came to America too. So even though like, I'm not a first generation immigrant, I was born here in the United States in Boston. It never occurred to me that like writing creatively was an option for work. It never occurred to me that starting a podcast, you know, just because I was passionate about yeah. conversations and learning about other people was ever an option or a viable option rather for, hey, I can do this with, with my life. So I, I always too felt like you, you were either creative and that was dope or like quirky and you had to figure something else to do for yeah. like when you became adult or you did take you know the science courses or you you wrote to be a lawyer like yeah. i can't tell you how many people were like yeah i i think you would really be a good lawyer and it's like i don't want nothing to do with law yeah nothing so i just think it's so interesting and also like beautiful at this point because i feel like i feel like a lot more communities to a certain extent are becoming more open with okay like like this is an option yeah no i and i think for me my my desire hopefully through the success of my career is to help the first gens who are like how do I do this thing that I'm super passionate about mm-hmm. and not get taken out the will in my family? You know, because it's 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 like, you know, when one person, it's so funny because, you know, when Lupita won her Oscar, I, my mom, and this was, again, before HBO, before First Gen, my mom called and was like, your friend, Lupita, she won an Oscar. I'm like, your friend? one, she's not my friend. <laughs> But not yet, at least. Lupita, yeah. if you're listening, call me, boo. Hey, let's have lunch. Um, but it was just like, oh, there's this other African girl who's doing this thing that Yvonne says she wants to do. Mm-hmm. And she just was successful enough to win an Oscar. So, okay. You know, so it's like that chipped away at like what could be possible. Yes. So it's like, oh, your friend. I see her on stage. She made a beautiful speech. She's wonderful. Yeah. Congratulations. Maybe you can be next. You know, so it's like, yes, mom, that's, that's the plan. Absolutely. To be next. Um, so so for me, it's like, I hope that when people see see Yvonne Orji, and hopefully it'll be a success story behind that, then their parents can be like, okay, ma- your friend Yvonne, she just won an Emmy. So maybe you can continue on with this creative thing you want to do. You know, like, yeah. just let, let the cycle continue. But I, I already feel like it's kind of happening because I think... Our generation had to fight. My generation had to fight for what we wanted Mm -hmm. to be accepted. The generation coming under me, it's... I don't know what's happened, but I will find, like freshmen in college who are African and they're like yeah I majored in music I'm like are your parents deceased <laughs> what happened they're like no 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 my mom like yeah she, she knows I'm like and she's still paying your tuition <laughs> oh my god like it's just like what world is this like mm-hmm. I had to get a master's degree and that still wasn't even enough like they were like no that's no. crazy so, to be honest so, I was yeah. just like, so I'm just like so you just willingly said you wanted to major in music and they were like that's cool man what how times have changed you know I so know. it's I, I, i'm fortunate for those individuals that they didn't have to go through everything that you know the, the their ancestors <laughs> i.e me had to go through but uh it's it's interesting it's interesting like but i also feel like that fight that grit um is what separates my generation from other generations right mm-hmm. because because we had to fight like for me i'm like failure was not an option mm-hmm. it wasn't an option because i can't go home and tell my mom i didn't make it it's like then what was all of these years of struggle and like legit d- disobeyment about and for it's mm-hmm. like nah we grind we don't stop we, nothing's gonna be handed to us we have to make a way we have to fight and it's just like that was inbred and embedded in me because just of all that was at stake yeah and I I don't know if I would have been that gangstar and that determined and that motivated if everything was all like we support you and it's all good and yeah. like go for it i probably would have been lazy out here like i mean one day it'll come i mean there's something to be said about 
having to fight for something and having Absolutely. to work like to grind and not to say that just because you know you like you're supported by your parents or like you know things are you know afford, afforded to you that you're not grinding that's not what I'm trying to say but I think just the extra pressure of just like having to prove yourself and having to like really just not have any options for way out mm-hmm. really set the tone for what I was going to do in this industry if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. In thinking of like your, so now you're, you're doing comedy. Did you start off in clubs? Like how did, how, how was your first year in comedy? Well, because I, I'm a clean comic, so I don't use profanity in my, in my, um, in my sets. That's I'm, commendable. <laughs> thank you. Well, I gave up cursing when I was still Catholic when I, for like Lent. Like, so I was probably like in eighth grade and I just never brought it back. Wait, since eighth grade? Like not even in your normal conversation? Yeah. I think oh, wow. I, I never curse, period. But I think I heard someone else say like, I'm giving up cursing for Lent. And I was like, me too. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I guess I'm really doing this. And then like after the 40 days were done, I was like... Yeah, I'm good. So like, I don't, I don't curse in my regular life. I don't curse in. I mean, I curse on the show because, but she's a character. Okay. There's a lot of things I do on the insecure show that I don't do in real life. But, Interesting. Um, I do. I did clean comedy, and I mm-hmm. still do clean comedy. Um, but starting off, I did a lot of corporate events because of that. So a lot of family friendly events. So I I performed a lot in churches, and what was funny is they would pay. So it, I think also God knew because I was like, I got as a as an African. You got bills to pay. I got bills. I'm just like, wait, how how are we going to turn this into lucrative? Because I didn't, I don't, I was like, I have two degrees. I don't have to be a starving artist. Like, yeah, no, no, no. I got You're Sally May wants her money back. Naviant now, Naviant, Naviant, whatever. Y- y- young just, Nav, Young Nav, Young Mula, <laughs> baby. Yeah, she be she be pressing me too. She be like, um, excuse me, and I be like, pause, oh, relax your life. So, um. Yeah, so it helped that I started off in church because for a five-minute set, I would get paid like $300, $500. I would do like a youth conference, um, a women's conference, and I would just get stacks. And I, I think for the first time, I was like, wait a minute. There is no reason why I should be making hundreds of dollars for five minutes worth of work. Yeah. Like. I'm never becoming a doctor. Like I was like, they not they don't make this amount of money in five minutes. Who no. gets paid by the minutes? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I was like, no, sirree. And I think that was the first time that I was like, oh, I can I can make this. Like this is like people can get money from this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't until I moved to New York that I was in for a shock that like that wasn't normal. Like people came up through like comedy clubs and you get paid like five dollars to perform if you or get paid at zero all. Coins. Or or you have to pay. Like there was like That's crazy to me. There were spots where you have to pay so you can do a five minute spot. I say, you know what, my daddy didn't raise nobody's food. That doesn't seem legal to me, to be honest. <laughs> it's it happens. Or they or then there are bringer shows and it's like you gotta bring five people mm. each paying this amount of money and I was like one um, I don't know that many people in New York two the people I do know they broke you know so it was just like this is not the path for me so I ended up running my own open mic there was an opportunity to run a show and I ended up running my own open mic and for me I was like at least I'll be on stage once a week I can meet other comedians put them on Um, and I made it a clean comedy show because I was like you know my goal for me, the goal for me was always to go and do TV. Mm, and okay. I wanted to, because acting, acting was my first love, even though like I didn't know anything about the arts. I was like, I like acting. Comedy just scared me, but comedy was literally my gateway drug. You know, it was my way in. And it was the one thing that God was like, if you just keep going at this, this is the thing that's going to open the door for you to do the thing that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And many a times I was like, but can I just quit comedy and just go straight to acting? But what I appreciated is, and what, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, is because of comedy, I could have a, pl- a stage where I could tell people, oh, you can come see me perform here at this time, at this day. As an actor, it's like, oh, what have you been in? Um, um, nothing. Oh, what will you be in? <laughs> nothing. Um, okay. You know, so it was just like, yeah. it's there's so many black female actresses. There are not so many Nigerian-American female comedian actress writers 
You know, like, they're a host. You know, so it's just like, that was what set me apart. Mm -hmm. The very thing that I didn't want to do in the first place, the very thing I tried to get out of doing um, is the thing that set me up to do the thing that I ultimately wanted to do. Yeah. So it was just a very interesting turn of events. I think it's so interesting that you mentioned that because I feel like sometimes you have to get into this state of like, I'm uncomfortable <laughs> as all hell right now. Yeah. And those are the really the moments where, where you grow and where you blossom and where people really recognize the work that you're doing. And it's like, just keep going. Just keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. No, because I, again, like I said, when I started doing comedy, it was almost like it was a TV script because I was like, I can only do these five jokes this same way. <laughs> over and over and over again and then I I remember watching a comedian perform and something happened in the audience and he used it and riffed on it for like 10 minutes and I was like how are you so comfortable Mm -hmm. that you allowed yourself to just take what the atmosphere gave you and work with it Yeah. and I was like I want to aspire to be that comfortable on stage where nothing throws me mm-hmm. and I am able to work with whatever is thrown at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy that I'm there now. How, how do you, how do you get there? Like, like how do you, you become skilled in that? You let go of the fear. Mm. Cause it was fear. It was like, I have to memorize this because I'm afraid that I'm going to forget my lines. Yeah. That was my biggest fear. And I can't allow the audience to dictate what I will say because I'm afraid that I won't have a comeback for them. And it's, 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 it's growth mm-hmm. and it's being comfortable in your own skin to say, I, I, when I'm on this stage, I own it. Everything that happens, I own it. I have the mic. I, I, we respect you. I will also entertain you and we will all have a good time. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, and it, it, there's, there's that, um, it's almost like a dog. A dog can smell fear. Yes. And I think audiences can, fe- can smell nervousness mm-hmm. and fear and apprehension. And, but when you rock it to a place where you're like, hey guys, I'm in charge. I'm in control. We're all, we're in this together. Whatever happens will happen. We're going to have a good time though at the end of the day. You all with me? Great. Teamwork on two. One, two, two. Teamwork. You know, like, <laughs> you know, so it's like, that's how it is. I mean, I'm ner- every time, every time, right before they say my name, there's butterflies. Mm-hmm. I have to say a prayer. The minute they say my name and I grab the mic, it's almost like I belong here. I this is I live here. I'm. We will have a good time. But no one knew five seconds ago that I was like, bark, 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 bark. okay, hey, hey, guys, how you doing? <laughs> you know. But that I don't think I don't ever want that to go away because that like lets me know like God, I need you. Like I, mm-hmm. I sometimes I surprise myself. Like I just had a show last uh, Saturday, and I and I was just like. We did a good job. And I surprised myself like, oh, I really like that thing that I did when I paused and I let the audience like get quiet for a long time. And I came back and like, it's just like I surprised myself like, oh, I'm still growing Mm -hmm. and I'm still learning more about the power I have as a comedian. And that's that's fun when you discover new stuff on stage. I don't know. it, 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 uh, It makes for an interesting time. So that's how you get there. You just you allow yourself to grow and you get rid of the fear. Absolutely. Now, how did you transition from comedy into uh, writing and acting? So, yeah. So in 2012, ish, I think, 2012. So this is like six years later? Yeah. So six years later. So after I got my master's in 2008, I moved to Liberia to do HIV prevention and teen practice and prevention after their civil war. Mm-hmm. And I was there until 2009. Um, and when I got back, there was a recession. Uh, I was like... A serious know, one. I was still a, in college. Yeah. It was, okay. it was, it was real in these streets. <laughs> and it was the perfect decoy because I was like, oh my gosh, I could actually like hide behind the fact that nobody else has a job. That's what I'll tell my parents. Like I can't get a job in Maryland mm-hmm. or DC. So I have to move to New York. And so also, so that's essentially what you told them. Yeah. I was like, oh, but I man. also did tell them that like, I'm also moving to New York to do like entertainment. Gotcha. <laughs> so I was like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> and so while in New York, you know, I met some really dope people and then I started doing like some like stage stuff. Um, so acting, acting that way, but still doing comedy. And there was an opportunity where I was able to teach 
at the University of Richmond. And cool. so I was a teaching resident uh, helping them. They were doing this play called Things Fall Apart by Chenoweth Wachebe based on the book. And it was like they needed a, um, a, a Nigerian Igbo expert. So <laughs> insert me. That's a very specific need. It <laughs> was a very specific need. And so I was like, sure, I'll do it. And, and that was my very first time getting paid as an actor to move to another place to literally day in, day out, just be an actress and a teacher. So I was like, so when I got back to New York in 2012, um, so so 2012 was when I got the job. I was gone for like six months. When I got back to New York, I was like, whatever that was, I I, I want that feeling consistently. I mm-hmm. never want to stop getting paid to perform. Beautiful. How do I do that? And I you, I had shot like a comedy special. I sent the footage to this gentleman named Michael Jackway who lives out here in... Um, in LA and he's a producer and he's a writer and so and he's Nigerian so he saw he saw my footage he was like you're funny you need to be in LA and I was like sure so once again stepping out on faith I, at this point I was making most of my money by hosting weddings mm-hmm. so that means I host a reception I like entertain the audience it's 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 what I do and I canceled all of my hosting gigs for the month of like August and September which by the way is the peak of Nigerian wedding season really so that was when I had like so much I would I would have made so much money but I canceled all of them because I was like I'm going to LA they're like what are you going to do in LA I don't know yet but I'm just (laughs) buying my ticket and I'm just going to be in LA and I'm going to figure it out Mm -hmm. and so turns out me and Michael kept talking and Mike said hey listen I um Got you a possible internship in the writer's room of this show called Love That Girl. Martin Lawrence is producing it. Yes. They are looking for, like, writing interns. I think it might be a good look. I didn't even know what a writer's room was in 2012. I didn't realize that that's where you went to write. Neither did I. Um, <laughs> basic, though, right? Yeah, super basic. Like, like writer's room. What do they do there? Oh, they write, they write in, in a room. room. Mm-hmm. That's cool, too. <laughs> and it was like, that's where the show is created. So when I got to the writer's room in 2012, uh, a wonderful woman by the name of Stacey Evans Morgan really took me under her wings and I was telling her my story and she was like you need to write this show your parents didn't want you to be a comedian you were supposed to be a doctor you're in the the accents the world we've never seen this on TV like please write it had you ever written a script or anything before not at all oh my goodness not at all so being in the writer's room I was able to get the scripts and I was able to read the scripts and I was able to see how they put stories together how they punch things up and it was like it was a crash course in writing and and so I ended up writing what was first gen. Um, obviously, like I put it to the side for a while because I was getting paid as a staff writer for this, uh, the third season of Left That Girl. What year was this? This is now 2012, 2013. Okay. Um, and then, you know, the checks run dry. We're now mm. in 2014. I'm like, oh, man. What am I going to do with my life? <laughs> um, and, you know, I was literally facing a deep depression because I, I I felt like I had sold so many seeds. I'd been here. Mm-hmm. I, you know, every time I performed, like I made sure I gave it my my 120 percent because you never know who's in the audience. And, you know, like I'm just like, why is this not turning into a, a dope opportunity for me? Like mm-hmm. I see other comics traveling and doing stuff. But when is my turn coming? And it, it just it was very frustrating because I was like, I'm I'm doing doing things right like I'm I'm supporting other people I'm helping other people I'm not being like this like bougie Californian or like the concept of whatever people think you know uh, people in LA are like and they're mm-hmm. not helpful I'm like no I'm I'm sowing seeds I'm supporting other people I'm helping I'm being you know uh, I'm working in excellence and being a professional I'm not catching a break I'm not catching a break I'm not catching a break and it really uh, I think it was a series of things and the last thing was just the struggle that broke the camel's back and I was like am I about to go back to Laurel, Maryland and tell Selena and Michael Orgy that they win mm. and I just was like you know what I ain't too proud to beg and I cried on Sunset Boulevard leaving an event I just I was so mad I was like God I don't understand why we here I don't have to be here I have a master's degree that I can totally be using right now because yeah. I actually did enjoy public health work and it was just so hard I was I was broke I was unhappy you know it's like who's gonna make the comic laugh how do you keep your your faith in, in, in those I guess moments in that moment I think I was allowed to be real 
Mm. I was about to, I was allowed to be authentically upset with life Mm -hmm. and not necessarily at God, but at the circumstance. Yeah. And I just remember God like letting me let it out. And a lot of times it was like, you need to take a nap. (laughs) And so (laughs) it was like, no, you need to take a nap. So I, I went to sleep. And I have this painting in my in my home and it says believe. Mm-hmm. And I was I was looking at depression in the face and there's a scripture um, that I hold on to that says hope is the anchor of your soul. And I was like, man, God, it's real hard. This anchor, I just I'm I'm about to be sinking. And I fell asleep and I woke up and I found this very obscure Bible verse. This is the most obscure thing in the world. And it said for I will still trust you for my times are in your hands. And I actually have it tattooed here. Um, it says my times, your hands, because at that point, I don't know what it was. I can't even explain it. I can't even be like, yes, that was, this. it was just <laughs> a surge of energy sprang up in me. Just like my times are in the hands of God. And if I believe what I say, I believe I have to know that that is enough and that is good and it will work out. And I told him, I said, God, I'm giving you one last chance. I said, all I got, I got all I have left is this idea. Cause he kept saying, what's in your hand? And I was like, sir, I ain't got nothing else in my hand. Like I'm, <laughs> my hand is empty. Like I wish I had cereal in my hand so I could at least have one meal. And he was like, what's in your hand? And it was first gen because I had started mm. writing it back in 2003, but because I like was making money and doing other stuff, I like put it to the wayside. Yeah. And so it was like, dust that thing off. Let's go. And from 2000, the end of 2014 to middle of 2015, I pursued first gen like it was my daily bread. It was all I had left. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the rest is history. So so tell us about first gen. So I've already seen the trailer. Yes. I died laughing. I saw some of the interviews and it's like, so many of the folks who listen to the show know that like my what I do during the day is as I teach. Uh, why don't people know what's a country in <laughs> Africa? <laughs> I don't know why people don't know. Because, you know, I feel like with First Gen, I want to bring... Like, Africa's already on the map. Yeah. So I don't need to put it on the map. But I think I want to bring it to the forefront we may need of to, yeah. all the maps. Some some social studies. <laughs> yeah. They, 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 they missed that. Um, but, yeah. So, for me, First Gen really... My desire in doing First Gen is really to have the first show that depicts an African family. Mm-hmm on mainstream American TV. Like, there is nothing more dope than that. And I think when we released the trailer, what got a lot of people excited, especially people from the continent, was this notion of, wait a minute, so will America really allow us Mm -hmm. to be on TV how we actually are authentically African with the accents and with the smells and, and foods and cloth? And will they allow Africans to be African on TV? Yeah. And... Hopefully, by the grace of God, the answer is yes. Yes. Um, and uh, so First Gen is is based off my life. It it's focuses on Joanna, this 25-year-old girl who finds herself at this crux. Like, I've done everything my parents have wanted me to do up until this point. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I want to do something that truly makes frightens me and also brings me so much joy. And it makes no sense to anybody in my family. Um but it's this 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 uh, intersection of what it's like to live this double consciousness, to to have family be at your core and tradition and culture be at your core, but then this free world called America that allows you to dream beyond your wildest dreams. How do you fuse the two? Mm-hmm. Can they be fused, or in choosing one, do you neglect the other? Mm-hmm. Um, is there is there is there a marriage that can exist? And so that's what I, you know. I want to explore. It's a it's a late coming of age of sorts. Okay. Um. Uh. But it's it's I, I I never want a situation where I crap on one versus the other because I love everything about. Oh, I love most things about being Nigerian. <laughs> I do. There are some things that I'd be like, you know what? We could do this better. <laughs> um. But I also love a lot of things about being American, mm-hmm. and I also don't like a lot of things. About, you know what I mean? So it's just like there, there's no perfect world. Yeah. But I think in finding 
the right balance, you really can have the best of both worlds. Being Nigerian has helped me so much be a better American and a better person in this industry. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a work ethic that comes with it. There's a, uh, there's a, a sense of moreness that comes with it. Like it, it, there's an awareness there. There's so much, uh, that I'm so fortunate to have as part of, as ingrained, as part of something ingrained in my character, because I have this other culture yeah. that's in me. Um, and so it's like, you know, a lot of times when you hear like the first gen story, it's like, ah, this culture that I don't like, or this thing that I don't like doing, or like, ah, I don't get it. And it's, ah, oh, it's so whack. It's like, no, that's not it. There's, there's beauty in being other. Absolutely. And I want to really portray that. And, you know, anytime Africans have been portrayed on TV, it's a caricature. You know, coming to America was a caricature of a fictitious African country. Did you like the movie at all, though? Hysterical movie. Great movie. Okay, Great. classic. I just Cla- sure classic, yeah. I'm not, I mean, okay. I'm not I'm not foolish. Like, comedy's comedy. <laughs> you know, but it's also, like, not real. No, like, not at all. Babar is not running around in our backyard. No. Um, and also, there's more than one country in Africa. Yes. So it's just like several. Yes. What you get at Safari is not what you're gonna get in Lagos. Mm-hmm. Like there's Uber in Lagos now. Mm-hmm. Like that's how we can get around. Yeah. There are also Bentleys on the streets of Portaka. Yeah. So it's just like I feel like that that what what again, what is normal for me and what mm-hmm. I know is normal is something that hasn't been experienced um on this side of the equation and so I would love to just really show the good bad and the indifferent the good bad and the ugly like Mm -hmm. because there's every family it's like you know sometimes a lot of times when you're the first to do something it's like we have to show the best because you know we don't want it's like listen let's make fun of ourselves in in ways so you know even in the trailer like I talk about like the email scams and it's like not a funny thing but how do we address it and still not like hamper on it like it's the only thing we you know like that Nigerians are known for yeah but you know what what would it be like if you're a Nigerian that that gets a Nigerian email scam like Mm -hmm. I think there's humor in that like turn it on, on the head um but I also want to talk about like why why family is so important and why mm-hmm. you know being one of five professions is so hampered on on kids it's like because there is no social security in Nigeria when yeah. our oh, parents wow. retire there's we are their safety net we mm-hmm. are their social security so the uncertainty of a job in entertainment huh is like just scary it's super scary yeah but the certainty of if i get sick my my son the doctor mm-hmm. can perform surgery on me can put me in his big house in the basement apartment you know like there's there's um there's security and safety in the traditional yeah and so when you deviate from that there is there is uncertainty and there is fear um, and also, our parents are dedicated to us till the end. So if you come and say, you know, I want to be an engineer, it's like, great. Mrs. So-and-so's son mm-hmm. is an engineer. If I'll call her now, then the two of you can meet and then you guys can talk about being an engineer. Yeah. If you say, I want to be a stand-up comedian, you want to do what? I don't know anybody that has yeah, successful like literally not having that access. Yeah, it's like to you have people. You have yeah. no access, so now you've crippled your parents from mm-hmm. being able to do their job to helping you succeed. Yeah. So now it's like not like they feel like a failure, but they feel like, well, how can we know if you're doing the right thing or not? Yes. There's no one that has come before you. This is just so. No, we have to discourage you from doing it because how can we help? You know, so it's mm-hmm. like it's foreign, it's new, and it's scary, and it's not secure mm-hmm. and they can't help you yeah um and no parent wants to be in a position where they can't help their children mm-hmm. if that makes sense so you know all of these things and more i would love the opportunity to uh to dive into with first gen um so yes yeah, so hopefully we get it sold and we become the first Nigerian-American sitcom on mainstream TV in America. I think it's crazy that it's 2016 and that hasn't happened yet, to be honest. I mean, I think there's still a lot of firsts. I think it's crazy that there's still a lot of... We're still experiencing a lot of firsts Mm -hmm. in American culture as, as it relates to diverse populations. So... 
Yeah. And also there was a, there's a notion like is Africa funny? I'm like Africa's hysterical. Africa's hysterical. And also Africa's taken over like it, one in 3 I I will suffice to say the data one in 3 <laughs> black people is probably a Nigerian. True. Like if not one in 3, one in 5. And so it's one like we're, we're we're every one in, one in one something. <laughs> I mean we're everywhere. Yeah. And so it's like we're even in places that you don't think Africans should be, like Alaska. I'm sure that you go to Alaska, there will be a Nigerian there. Absolutely. Um so yeah, I think it's time. I think we we have amassed enough of a population where we can get some really good ratings. And and also I think it's not just a Nigerian show. I think mm-hmm. anybody who's ever traveled to the continent, anybody who has a friend that is best friends with a Nigerian you know like I think it's for all of those I think we're becoming such a melting pot now that I'll meet people that are like I did Peace Corps in Ghana I'm like great also not Nigeria but you get it you know <laughs> you know so it's just like it, it, it's 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 enough we are exposed enough as a population yes that other like people will get it yes and so that trailer actually then went viral and got you the opportunity that you have now with uh the forthcoming show on HBO yes so absolutely so we released the trailer a year ago actually April 15th of 2015 and it went viral it caught the attention of the magnificent David Oyelowo, who has become an amazing friend of first gen, I like to say, and is like really trying to help us get this thing to a network. That's beautiful. Um, and uh, it, it's such a blessing and an honor because he's Nigerian. He's both uh, Igbo and Yoruba. He gets it. Mm-hmm. His kids are like what first gen American because they were, you know, more of them were born in um, in London. So it's 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 like a passion project for him and so he like he took my passion project made it his own and here we are but in the interim like you know I sent it to Issa and Issa's uh from Sen- Senegal her dad is Senegalese Issa Rae y'all Issa Rae what up boo um Issa Rae <laughs> very dope she's I mean she's kind of amazing no like superb she's, she's I remember her mom. from awkward uh black, black girl, girl days like the initial like first the first season, season. oh yeah no yeah. she's I mean she's amazing Issa is a wonderful human being all around period like go on record I said it I endorse this message my name is Yvonne Orgy <laughs> You know, she's 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 freaking awesome. And so, like, when I was telling her what I was working on, she was like, oh, my God, great. She was like, so many people are asking, you know, for, like, African content whenever she goes around. And, you know, and she's so great that she'll be like, my friend Yvonne is doing this. And this is before uh, Insecure. She'd be like, my friend Yvonne is working on something for y'all. That's and just like, what? And so it was just, it, so I sent it to her. And um, she told me that HBO was, you know, working on solidifying the deal for her to yeah. Bring like the concept of uh, awkward black girl to uh, the network, and I was like, "Girl, that is super dope." And she was like, "I think you would be really dope to be my best friend in this." Obviously, you're gonna have. So to- this was for awkward black girl. So this coming was, to the network. This was for so yeah. So I, when was this? Uh, early like January, February of 2015. Okay. Issa called and was like, the network is picking up my show. I think you'd really be a great best friend. And I was like, girl, thank you. But we were still like in the middle of like editing first gen. Yeah. We were still like trying to release it. And I was just like in that zone. And so I was like, oh, great. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, you know, and things take a long time in TV. People don't know that. Yeah. So from the announcement, which was, I think, which came in February till when they actually like started doing anything for it, which was July. Mm-hmm. It was ghosts. So I was like, I had, I released version in April. I sent it to her. She like continued to like support it and send it to her, like her followers. And so that helped us with numbers and traction. And it was just beautiful. And then like in July, a friend of mine was like, Oh, they're casting for Issa's show. And I was like, Ooh. <laughs> How come I didn't get no phone call? I thought she told me uh-huh. way back when. Yeah. And so I hit her up like, girl, congratulations. Like, that's dope. And I was like, yo, so what's good? She was like, oh, my God, did you still want to do this? I said, I'm sorry. Why, why would I? Why would I not want to yes, do this? Please. She was like, "Oh, because you know everything's happening with first gen." I said, "Boo!" Mm-mm. 
ain't nobody cut us anybody's checks yet. Yeah. So like, this is just still our passion project. Where do I send my information, my headshot? She was like, oh my God, so dope. So that like, that was like a Friday. That Next Monday, I had like my first audition. I had five auditions before finally booking mm-hmm. uh, the role as Molly, Issa's best friend on Insecure. And so we shot the pilot in September. HBO came back in November and ordered us the series. And so now we are getting ready to shoot the rest of the episodes for the first season. Very, very dope. Very exciting. Stuff. And so what is Insecure about? Like if you could... Insecure follows uh, two best friends. So Issa and Molly mm-hmm. as they navigate life and love. So you have Issa who is kind of in this like crossroads of like trying to find her happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, she's trying to find happiness in love. She has a boyfriend but it's just like, are we going to make it? She has a job but it's just like, ah, oh, it's stressing the mess out of her. Yeah. And you know, she's, she's very like awkward in different situations and so you know she's 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 trying to navigate life and love mm-hmm. meanwhile molly molly you know to sum her up she's like the sexy best friend but she is a bomb boss chick in life she's a corporate attorney she you know rocks her louboutin she she got her life together but love she a hot mess. Like, when it comes <laughs> to finding love, she sabotages relationships. She doesn't pick up on context clues. She just She's doing all the wrong things to find what she feels would be the right one. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where their awkwardness kind of like, you know, it's like that's where they meet. Yeah. Um, and But it, it's such a beautiful friendship that they have that they can be real and 100 with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, be going through kind of this evolution of self. Yeah. Um, individually and, you know, together it's a beautiful show it's very funny Jay Ellis who some of you may know as Blue from the game yes he plays Issa's love interest uh, Issa's boyfriend her boyfriend's like unemployed and like trying to get his stuff together too right yeah so he you know so it's a lot of of awkward moments going Uh on so uh like Jay he's you know a good dude but just really not not right where she would want him after mm-hmm. they've been together for so long and he's kind of like down and down and out like trying to be the man but also trying to figure get his like career off the ground and it's just like how long am I gonna stick with this dude mm-hmm. like uh, am I making a mistake by being here? And you know, so he 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 has some very interesting twists and turns this season. I feel like this season is really an evolution that all of the characters go through. Nice. All of the characters go through. And like rounding out our series regular cast is um Lisa Joyce, who plays Frida. She is so freaking funny. She's Issa's um co-worker and she's she's the quintessential like white co-worker who's like not trying to be down, but just like she says the wrong things at the right wrong. <laughs> times and it's just like I just, I'm not gonna have to strangle a, a chick today like yes. but she just means well she's mm-hmm. a well-meaning white co-worker and she's just such a talented funny actress so there, there's there's so much talent on the show so much funny the writers have really gone above and beyond uh, to do this season justice and then we got at the helm we have Princess Penny we have Melina Matsukas who's directing and if you don't know who she is all I gotta say is come on ladies now let's get information she definitely was the director of the formation video she's done Solange's videos Katy Perry's Rihanna's videos like Melina's the dopest chick so she directed the pilot and then you know we're gonna have a couple guest directors coming in throughout the season but I mean we have a this is a home run cast that is so exciting and i love how and and, I, and this may seem simple but i love how they have different types of black people like oh, it's yeah. not just all of them who are like in the corporate world and oh. like within in houses and uh uh with 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 families right like you have Issa who's still trying to figure it out you have molly who has it together in one aspect but is still trying to figure out other aspects like we need more content like that out and out to the world so that other folks can see like it's all about like the possibility yeah it's multi-layered it's all it's all like everyone has a a trajectory in the show it's multi-layers and it's like how do we even get these layers and continue building upon them Mm -hmm. Um, you know what I thought was really dope was Issa was very adamant about two brown skinned women 
being leads. Nice. Um, like I remember seeing the breakdown and it was like dark skinned brown girl for Molly. And I was like, yes. I'm a dark skinned brown girl. And it was just like, I have never in my life as an actress seen that kind of a breakdown. And yeah. it's just like, Issa and I are very much brown. <laughs> like, yes. you know, and, you know, and it's just like, what does that say? It's like, you can't have two brown skinned girls on a show because a lot of times in casting, it's like, mm, let's have one dark skin and then one light skin. And then what's that? It's just like, okay, but you know that friends of like, brown girls like our circle of friends they exist they, yeah they, they like that that's a thing like <laughs> it's like united calls a better time we can all be different mm-hmm. shades we can all be you know you can have more than one dark-skinned girl on the show like and it'd still be good um so it, it, it was just really refreshing to see that and i think the vision she has for this show i mean you're gonna see different types of black people on the Beautiful. show and then it, and because it's just like we're all so multifaceted. Absolutely. It, you, it, it, one size does not feel, fit all, especially when it comes to brown people. Mm-hmm. And I think you're really going to get that with the show. Very dope. I'm super, super excited. I'm super, so I'm going to, I'm going to be uh, using my, my, my mama's uh, HBO. Card. HBO go. Okay. But, your mama's you know, HBO. And I get still, it. You know, you here supporting you, you out here in these streets. I get it. Times, <laughs> times is hard. Like I've, I've been there when I was like, who got Hulu? I'll trade you Hulu yes. for HBO go. Yes. You know, like we, you know, you got a barter, Big barter steal. Do whatever. Yeah. You, don't yeah. steal though, because they no. won't find you. But mm-hmm. don't you know? You know, barter, trade. Yes. You know, have um, you know, potlucks. Get those negotiations. <laughs> yeah, do because yeah. you know, cable is expensive. Watch parties. Very cable is expensive. Oh, very. So I understand. I, yes. girl, I'm with you. Um, but yeah, so look out for it. Hopefully, uh, we don't have a, a air date yet, but um, it's coming out soon, either this fall, uh, hopefully this fall. But um, yeah, very we're dope. very excited. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Shout out to Dalvin Beats and the Bad Decisions Collective for our musical tunes and Creator K and Andrea for our logos. Production and editing on today's episode were both done by myself. Please make sure to download, like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find episodes on our website, firstyearproject.com as well as on iTunes and on SoundCloud. You can follow us on Twitter at FirstYearPRJ, and then also feel free to visit our website at FirstYearProject.com. Peace.